Welcome to Premium Cashflow Real Estate Investing Podcast with Sakar Kauli. During this program, you will hear guest experts sharing their experiences, best practices, and market insights. We discuss investing in multifamily apartment complexes and how a busy professional can passively invest hassle-free in various opportunities. Your host, Sakar Kauli, owns millions of dollars of assets and has done thousands of value-add projects over 20 years now. So listen in for insights. Here's your host, Sakar Kauli. Welcome to another edition of Premium Cashflow Podcast. Uh, today, I have a very young, dynamic uh, guest with me who has a great sports background, uh, playing professional soccer, uh, Mr. Dan Kennedy with Driven Capital Partners. Uh, welcome to the show, Dan. I appreciate you taking time today. No, likewise. Uh, thank you. Thank you for having me on. And I just, I, I must clarify, I don't feel, I don't feel very young. <laughs> <laughs> Good. So Dan has been uh, interestingly playing professional soccer with uh, LA Galaxy. And once he retired, he uh, ventured into real estate uh, with his partner, Matt, at uh, Driven Capital Partners. Uh, they own significant assets, uh, multiple assets in Huntsville, Alabama. Uh, they have industrial flex building. They also have medical office buildings and all. So it's a very wide ranging portfolio that they have. And I'm here to uh, kind of delve into uh, Dan's story and learn more about him. Uh, so just for starters, uh, Dan, uh, give us some uh, brief background as to, you know, how you got started and what motivated you to kind of come into real estate and also into the commercial side of things. Yes, Carver. Well, thank, thank you for that, that intro. Um, you know, I had, a, I had a keen interest in real estate early on. I just not from a family experience perspective, but from my parents' friends um, growing up, it seemed the wealthier ones, from what I could um, gather, were always invested in real estate. Mm -hmm. And so it just piqued my interest um, early on. And then I started reading some some books, uh, most notably the, the book people probably are most familiar with is um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Sure. Um, and that, you know, that was 2001, 2000, I was reading that book a um, long time ago. And I thought I was going to go into brokerage immediately after college um, mm -hmm. and just be a transaction broker in commercial real estate. Mm -hmm. um, largely because of living in Santa Barbara, I was playing soccer at UCSB and one of the alumni there had a, a real estate company. And as I started my career as a professional soccer player, I really thought Sakar, I thought every year was my last. <laughs> like, I just didn't, I didn't have an expectation that I was going to have a 12 year career. Mm -hmm. And then if you, if you take that one step further, once I started making money, I, I knew it wasn't going to last forever. So what I wanted to, to do was create passive income with the money that I actually made. Sure. Right. Mm -hmm. And that, I mean, it was, it was no more complex than that type of decision-making um, I wanted to be in a position when my soccer career ended, when I retired from playing, that I didn't have to take a job. I could choose the job that I take. 
Sure. And so this, you know, part of Driven Capital Partners, part of my mission is also to educate other professional athletes on how you can invest your money wisely to put yourself in a position to succeed post um, playing career. That is that is very wise of you, uh, Dan, and I appreciate it. I mean, in fact, uh, many of uh, sports uh, folks uh, come to mind: Emmett Smith, uh, Magic Johnson, uh, I think Will Smith up here in the Washington area here. So there's there's a uh, series of them that come to mind. So I'm I'm very happy to see your success. Uh, so give us uh, in general as to uh, what sort of markets you are investing in, uh, Dan, and why you like those markets well uh, so i'm based in long beach southern california my partner matt is based in san jose california Mm -hmm. california as a whole is 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 a very expensive marketplace from a commercial real estate perspective with with compressed cap rates right so the you can purchase here um but expect a lower uh cash flowing return Um, on the assets that you purchase. So Matt and I are, um, well, we're investors first. And that's kind of how we started this. We started Driven Capital Partners primarily to invest our own capital and then open up the deal, the deals that needed extra funds to our friends and family. Mm -hmm. And so we, we, excuse me, I'm getting a call real quick. Um, So we went and identified secondary and tertiary marketplaces in 2017 that we thought were set for 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 growth and Mm -hmm. and growth that would be meaningful over five or ten years and so these markets are are widely um uh accepted in the real estate world as growth markets i mean it's not you can look at data from google alone you can literally put in a a google search of what are going to be the five best growing cities in the united states over the next handful of years and you're going to see these consistent trends of um probably salt lake city reno boise um phoenix uh huntsville alabama um raleigh Raleigh, Durham, North Carolina. And so then we wanted to say, okay, well, that's where can we establish some competitive advantage? Right. And in real estate, the nice thing about real estate is, is from a deal sourcing perspective, the competitive advantage is, is relationship driven. Because what, what, what you, what you want is to establish relationships with key brokers and the markets that you like, that you'd like, and you want to invest in. And so we set out early on attacking a multitude of markets and it was really the traction from the relationships within those markets that led us to a pipeline of deals. Um, (laughs) And so in a way you think of, of, of partnerships Um, and, and we've, we've identified a handful of different, brokerage firms um, throughout the United States, um, each located in the, in the key markets that we like. And we depend upon them to get deals in front of us that they would want to invest in. Not, not just that they're bringing to market, but we want to, we want to make sure that we are getting early access or, or at least those deals, the best deals that they're going to have in any given year come across our desk with a red flag on them. Gotcha, gotcha. You have to act fast, and I appreciate the you sharing that specific detail there, and that the broker relationships and also the 
class of deals are so important. So I, I assume, Dan, that you are doing uh, typical value-add deals. Uh, is that Would that be a correct statement? Well, uh, yeah, I, I would say pre-COVID. Well, so let's, let's, um, let's get granular with this. Driven Capital Partners' thesis is to um, acquire a diverse portfolio of real estate. So that's got to be diverse in asset class, and it has to be diverse in geographic location. So if something crazy happens, mm-hmm. we're not all of our our entire portfolio is not going to get crushed. Sure. That and that's that was literally um, what we set out to start doing. Now post COVID, <clears throat> we have a completely different world on our hands, and mm-hmm. now we're um, in a very defensive position. Uh, sure. And that that is, we're still willing to purchase, um, but it, in order to purchase an asset, it has to be in one of one of these markets we've identified. Mm-hmm. It has to be in a really good location in that market, right? Sure, we're not going to sure. be speculative on oh, this this neighborhood's going to grow in the next five or ten years. No, it has to be in a desirable n- neighborhood today. Um, the building itself has to be uh, very little deferred maintenance, if any at all. Mm-hmm. So we don't want any question marks as to what our operating expenses are going to be over the next three to five years. I see. And the asset also needs to be stabilized because in this environment, we're not confident we can lease up any space, sure, regardless sure. of asset class. So mm-hmm. if, if we can go and find an asset that meets those four criteria, then the most important piece is who the tenant is. Well, if it's apartments, it's people. And if it's uh, some commercial building, it's going to be a business, right? Sure, the credit of the tenant, sure. Right, right. So, so now, you know, now we're getting very granular on who the renters are in an apartment complex and um, who the tenants um, are in a commercial building and what kind sure. of building it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're willing to do business today but it is um, in a very defensive approach and the focus now becomes simple cash flow, dividend paying property. Uh, the value creation is, is typically when there is a lease renewal. And so that could be, you know, three, five, 10 years away, depending on the property. Sure. Um, and the benefit is now in a, in a world of uncertainty, um, across all markets, sure. mm-hmm. we think we can provide, uh, you know, 8% preferred return and an 8% cash flow to mm-hmm. investors year over year. Sure. And if you can do that and you also get the tax benefits of investing in real estate and you believe that the market, regardless of COVID-19 in five years is going to continue sure. mm-hmm. to progress, then you're going to be in a position to win um amidst all this chaos absolutely absolutely thank you thank you for that detail uh now speaking of uh you alluded to sub markets there like you know let's take Huntsville, alabama for that yep. example uh what specific metrics you look at uh dan so to get some confidence in terms of okay hey the uh, area looks good or perhaps the employment factors and things. Give, give us some metrics on how, how you. So can. yeah, so Huntsville, um, Huntsville is a, a great tertiary market, and historically a government contracted town. 
Okay, so NASA was established in Huntsville. They created Cummins Research Park um, in Huntsville for NASA and to create this research park and this synergistic world for businesses to, and the defense industry to live out of. Mm-hmm. Well, that was in the 70s. Things have changed. Sure. And the park has grown. It's the second largest research park in the United States and the fourth largest in the world or fifth largest in the world. And so, okay, never heard of Huntsville before. I'm from Long Beach. So this mm-hmm. is interesting. Mm-hmm. And you may have some concern over a largely defense contracted town. If government spending changes, then there's liability. And what we've seen in Huntsville is um, economic growth outside of that uh, defense contracting sector. So Toyota Mazda advanced auto, manuf- advanced auto manufacturing plant will be mm-hmm. open in 2021. Mercedes-Benz, the same thing. Google and Facebook are building uh, data centers in Huntsville. In fact, Facebook's going to build a data center even larger than what they initially contemplated. FBI has announced that they're going to create their HQ2 to be located in Huntsville, Alabama. And then you have to start asking yourself, well, why the heck is this happening mm-hmm. in Huntsville? Uh, Huntsville is the second largest city in the state of Alabama behind Birmingham. And because of all this business economic growth, it's projected that in the next five years, seven years, they'll be bigger than Birmingham. And mm-hmm. so we were intrigued, you know, we're, we're saying, okay, we might've found a, a winner here in a market and let's go, let's go check it out. And when you go there, you start to understand why it, it is a, a very high quality of life for um, the amount of money it requires to actually live there. Right. So if you make $80,000 a year and you're living in, in, in Los Angeles, you could be very well just scraping by scraping sure. by. Right. Especially if you're a family of four, right. um, if you live, if you make eighty thousand dollars a year and you're living in Huntsville, Alabama, you are living very well. Sure. So yeah. that gives these businesses a competitive advantage when they're trying to source human capital. You also have University of Alabama Huntsville located in Huntsville, mm-hmm. and they are producing some very smart, bright engineers to that strategically makes sense because mm-hmm. they're pumping those students right into the hands of the um, local, uh, the local, the sure. local yeah, that's right the local employers Absolutely. Um, so and and when we go there there's a lot of people living in Huntsville in fact majority of people we have met they're not from Huntsville they're, they're you know in some ways an expat right they, they have sure, moved to Huntsville sure, for some sure. job and they love it there and so you know Matt and I um, Matt is a, I wouldn't want to call him a data analyst, but mm. because of his technology background, he is willing and has the resources to go and find some information that someone like me maybe can't access. But mm. also, um, this information is broadly available. Sure. All you have to do is spend some time researching it. And so what our, our um, we were compelled by all the information and we're like, okay, well, let's go find out what the real estate looks like and figure out what it means. And all of Cummins Research Park, all of downtown were in qualified opportunity zones. Oh, so very, God, that's, inter- very that's interesting. Mm-hmm. That's interesting because the opportunity zone designation was actually implemented for distressed regions. Well, Huntsville's thriving. So have we found an anomaly here? 
right? Sure. And so mm -hmm. I knew that there was going to be further investment in Huntsville just because of that fact of the 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 qualified opportunity zone designation is right. located in a in a in a place that is thriving. We that's an anomaly. Right. Um, and we we got quickly became very comfortable with um buying some properties there and everything we've bought there the nice thing is is because it's a tertiary marketplace we compete very well as a small investment firm um people take us seriously and we have also created a really strong relationship with one of the anchor main brokers in town so we look at them as our partner and whether they invest in our deals or not, uh, they are vital to our success. And that partnership has allowed us to build a great rapport with the city officials, um, which makes business a little bit easier to do when you need sure. to go in and entitle or rezone a project. So we, we have successfully entitled um, four acres in Cummins Research Park to become a hotel and a retail center. And mm -hmm. we just got that approval um, last week. So, and our, for example, our apartments mm -hmm. um, were purchased in December of 2018. So, um, year and six months ago, let's call it. Sure. And mm -hmm. we we acquired these apartments. They were built in 2017. Uh, the, wow. develop, the developer was owning and operating them, and mm -hmm. he was offering creating them out of his check personal checking account. So the <laughs> documentation was terrible, right? Sure, but sure. that presented a certain opportunity and it scared off a heck of a lot of people. Sure. So we were willing to kind of <clears throat> take the time, energy and effort to try to um, underwrite this thing properly. Yeah, and see figure this means. thing out right, and, sure. and mm -hmm. utilize some assumptions from property managers. And we ended up buying, we ended up buying these townhomes and the rent roll average upon acquisition was like, $666 literally it was it was just sure random mm -hmm. random number occurrence mm -hmm. but it was like 666 I'll never forget it <laughs> and um we are leasing up right now at 925 and all we've done is paint um and carpet and wow. updated mm -hmm. the marketing plan because wow. the property it, you can imagine if the if the if the previous owner was operating it out of his checking account, he didn't have a sophisticated marketing plan. Sure, sure, sure. So it was a match made in heaven. And this was just one of the deals that kind of kicked us off in Huntsville that led us really strongly believe in this market. And now, now we have COVID in our lives. Sure. Um, mm -hmm. the, world, the world's changing dramatically. Sure, sure, um, sure. But Huntsville was actually very slow to close and one of the first markets to open. Because so, so they, it's, did, it's they safe were limited impacted. Right. right. So they, they were barely impacted, basically. Yeah. And so when we start thinking about, well, what are we doing now? What are we doing now in this new world? What's our, what's our thesis moving forward? Sure. Well, mm -hmm. one, of the, um, one of the constants for us is market focus. You need mm -hmm. to understand the market that you're going to go play in right now. Sure. Because mm -hmm. amidst COVID, there's going to be markets. And we can just use New York as the worst example. Sure. Uh, that are going to be heavy, like very heavily impacted. Very, and, very slow to come back. Right. Absolutely. Very slow to come back. And sure. then there's going to be markets. We're hoping that Huntsville and, and Boise are two of them that are maybe largely unaffected. It was like, yeah, sure. COVID came and went, but the small businesses were shut down for two weeks. And so those employees and those businesses were only 
on the sidelines for two weeks and right, instead right. of two months, right? Right. Not not much of an impact. And with the federal stimulus, I mean, it keeps the uh, economy uh, upbeat. And at the same time, if 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 your neighborhood stores and small businesses are not affected, it still keeps the vitality in the entire uh, sort of submarket pretty uh, robust. As such, and, right? and think and think of this. So now we have unemployment at an all time high. Sure. And mm-hmm. in 2021, you got Toyota, Mazda, Mercedes-Benz, Facebook, Google, FBI, all moving here. There's going to be job opportunity. Absolutely. So there's going to be this demand driver for population growth. And today, the infrastructure that Huntsville has is solid, but it has to be developed. And the city of Huntsville is willing to develop it. They're willing to partner with you and help you as a developer make things work from an economic standpoint. Sure. And so it becomes a very great place to do business. Absolutely. I mean, the, the, those are those are very important points that when you get a cooperative agency and city officials working with you, it, it makes your life all the more uh, you know easy. And the prior story you shared that where I think four acres, you said, has been classified for U.S. for hotel and stuff. Right. Boy, I mean, that that is a sweet... Uh, yeah, uh, and it's an interesting time for a hotel, right? Who's going to sure. build a hotel today? Right. Well, right. Right. if the land's entitled, if that you, and you can go build a 140-key hotel, excuse me, hotel, um, the, I mean, developing a hotel is going to be, at best, maybe an 18 to 24-month development cycle. Sure. So because of the growth that's happening in Huntsville and is going to continue to happen regardless of COVID, sure. um, there, I mean, every time we go to Huntsville, we have a hard time finding a hotel. So we, uh, we're, we're kind of, you know, we're, we're placing strategic bets on how this economy is going to recover and what markets we want to be in uh, because we think that they're going to recover quicker than most. Interesting. So now, um, I, I guess, obviously, we uh, in the uh, whole COVID situation that we have going on, we, we definitely live in a very different uh, markets and the operating procedures and all that has to change. Uh, but let's say pre-COVID, uh, Dan, uh, give us some examples of some of the value add things that you uh, your group has done and what sort of returns it has given you, you know? Yeah, yeah. So... <clears throat> I'll, uh, I'll highlight three deals. They're all very different. Mm-hmm. So because we're opportunistic, um, by no means do we believe we're the, the smartest guys in the room, mm-hmm. but we're willing to partner and we're willing to um, underwrite and accommodate um, consultants that do certain things for a living, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. City of Santa Barbara. The city of Santa Barbara is one of the most supply-constrained housing markets in the United States. Uh, the, the vacancy rate lives below 3%. The wow. mm-hmm. city of Santa Barbara is on the coast. It's on the water, and sure. it's nestled mm-hmm. between the ocean and mountains. So it's infill. There's no place you can develop. There, every parcel of land that is developable has been developed. And the city of Santa Barbara is also very tough to work with to try to go and make a development happen. So the complete sure. opposite of Huntsville. Right. Hmm. All, all of that being said, if you can buy something and create more housing for the city of Santa Barbara, it's a good thing for the city. Absolutely. And it can be it can be a very profitable venture. Sure. So we we purchased a commercial building, um, 17 office suites mm-hmm. for four for four million dollars. Okay. 
Wow. Very, very tired building. Um, but the, the key here is that it was operating as offices. And so when it came on market, the majority of investors looked at it as office suites. And mm -hmm. the underlying facts were that the building was actually developed as apartments in the 50s. I and see. in the 90s, it was it was transitioned to office suites because in the 90s, that was highest best use. Well, today, highest best use is apartments. Interesting. So we purchased it with the idea that we were going to turn it into apartments. And we hmm. employed a planning um, consultancy consultant firm in, in the city of Santa Barbara who knows all the stakeholders, who does this type of work. And we paid them very he healthy hmm. um, to walk us through walk us through this process with them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so the result has been, um, we got, we used the California state density bonus, which is an a developer's incentive that California mm -hmm. offers. Mm -hmm. And we, um, have successfully, uh, come through the planning with the city of Santa Barbara that has resulted in a 23 unit approval. Wow. Uh, mm -hmm. two of those units will be affordable units. And now we are in the process of refinancing a construction loan to go and execute the construction and, and then lease it up as apartments. Interesting. But yeah, the, um, the, the kind of the high level on returns is this is a projected 20 IRR return. Wow. So mm -hmm. very healthy. Very Two year hold though. Two year hold. Oh, wow. Two -year -hold. Very quick. So mm -hmm. Quick turnaround. Sure. Mm -hmm. Um, how, how about some other value adds within your, let's say, uh, Huntsville portfolio, for example? Yeah. So let me let me let me wrap up the Santa Barbara. Oh, yeah. So we uh, bought it. Ahead. So mm -hmm. we we bought it for four million. Mm -hmm. We're we're going to be all in on construction and planning costs. Let's call it two point five million dollars. Sure. So, so six and a half. Right? Yeah, six and a half million dollars. Okay. Mm -hmm. We used uh, one million dollars of equity, and to buy the deal and and push this through. And, and our appraisal for the refinance, uh, stabilized appraisal for the refinance came back at $9.2 million. Wow. Tremendous amount of upside sure. in the deal. Now, there's still plenty of execution risk from a construction and, and lease up perspective. Sure, sure, sure. But this is not a deal that is, uh, we may not meet returns. It's a deal of saying, hey, we're going to hit our returns and there's a possibility we could actually far exceed it. Right, right, right. And, and such are the deals where I think you need a very uh, a sort of outside the box thinking and doing Correct. something as we always say that doing or imagining something that someone else has not really envisioned and like doing that groundwork to uh, perhaps rezone and get it done. How, how, if I may ask, uh, Dan, how big was the cycle in terms of, uh, you know, planning for it, applying it to the city, maybe appearing before a year. the... Uh, okay, so a year a year of brain damage, we said. Sure, sure. No, I know, uh, and this <laughs> is how painful. it goes. I mean, you're yeah, planning painful. your uh, all the community hearings uh, for that matter, yeah. and all those. Well, things and then have... COVID happens, the city gets shut sure. down. I mean, there's been ongoing delays, but that's that's the risk. You, this is what we call entitlement risk, and this sure, is why, sure. in, from a lending perspective, you go you have to typically go find a, a bridge lender. Banks right. aren't comfortable with this kind of um, risk. Right, right, right. And what about some value-add stories within your, let's say, yeah, so, Huntsville portfolio? Yeah, so we were, you know, think about it. We owned, we own apartments in Atlanta. We own now we own a adaptive reuse project in Santa Barbara. Um, we own a triple net lease deal in Indiana, and 
what we owned in Huntsville was apartments and a couple a couple offices. And we said, you know what, it feels like we need to take on an opportunity and a new space, a new asset class. So we purchased medical offices. Mm-hmm. And we purchased medical offices that were 20% vacant and they were developed in 2000 and 2008. So relatively new buildings, relatively right? New. Absolutely. And, and, and the, the vacant space was shelf space. So it had never been developed. And so again, this property was on the market for who knows how long. And mm-hmm. it just got overlooked and it got stale and no one refreshed it. And I think it was on the market for like 300 and some odd days. <laughs> and so no, there was just no interest. And, mm-hmm. and so we were like, okay, well, we're in town. We'll go take a look. And we looked at it and we're like, yeah, it's a beautiful building. It doesn't look like there's any significant issues. Why hasn't the shell space ever been built out? And was the, this brought to you by brokers, by the way? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the, and the owner was like, listen, I can't afford to. He's like, every, I have people interested in the space, but I can't afford to build it out. Like it's mm-hmm. going to cost me $300,000 to build it out. Mm-hmm. And we're like, okay, well, um, if we just raise an extra 300 grand, then we can build it out and potentially lease it. Let's figure out a purchase price. And so we went in and we said, okay, like medical office in Huntsville, it's really extremely well located. In fact, there's two different buildings. One building is across the street from the Whole Foods. So Whole Foods is only going into premium locations. Sure. And the other property is um, across the street from a huge master plan residential mixed use development. Sure. And so it, two very desirable locations. And when we, when we did the underwriting, we said, okay, well, we'll go in and on Current operating cash flows will pay a 7.2 cap. That's just what it, you know, that was our risk. We're like, if we, if we can get it at a 7.2 cap, then we can pay an 8% preferred return with 20% of the space vacant. And if we can lease up that space, then we, we're going to, that's our value add and we're going right to hit the, hit the mother load. Sure. The other key to this is because it was a mom and pop owner, Mm-hmm. All of the leases were modified gross leases in which medical offices are triple net leases traditionally. Mm-hmm. So the industry sure. standard for these medical use uh, buildings is triple net. Sure. And this guy's the non-real estate guy, the mm-hmm. owner, and he's operating them on modified gross leases. So the strategy is to transfer leases as they expire to, modif- to triple, triple net, net, from modified gross to triple net. Sure. And what that allows you to do Recapture all that. Yep. Recapture all that expense income. And mm-hmm. it also fixes some variable expenses, right? So now sure. we no longer mm-hmm. have that risk. Right. So it's right. a five right. it's a five year hold. Mm-hmm. The value the value add is spending three hundred and some odd grand to go and repurpose the interior of that vacant twenty percent of the space, mm-hmm. get it get a long term tenant in there, and then <laughs> reposition all leases to triple net as they expire. And it'll take about, it'll take us about five years to do that. Um, but this is a, it's an 18 IRR deal. And um, there's no reason why we, we shouldn't be able to execute on it. That's awesome. I mean, this is, uh, I mean, th- and th- thank you for sharing this, Dan, because this is a very different uh, value add that we typically, uh, you know, hear about, uh, you know, whether it's reducing expenses or, you know, doing some income improvements, but these are all 
uh, both scenarios that you described are, you know, pretty much redeveloping things or, you know, repositioning the leasing to convert to a triple net and recapture the, uh, you know, the uh, sort of the lost income of sorts, right? And Sukar, the, the biggest thing is competition, in my mind. Mm-hmm. And, and so many, it felt like at least, you know, 2018, 2019, it felt like so many people were chasing value add apartment deals. It just continued to compress cap rates. Sure, sure. And so we're talking about buying five cap apartments in a marketplace that we bought a 7-2 cap 18 months earlier. And it was only because of competition. Sure. Mm-hmm. And so when when you think about just peeling the onion on the cash flow of an asset, when you're repositioning apartments, it's a capital intensive process because you have lost a lease. You just have vacancy that shouldn't be there, but you, you need to renovate these units. Sure. You're pushing to get tenant. I mean, reality is you're pushing rents, which has um, tenants moving out. It may also create an environment that tenants are saying, no, I'm not moving out. And you know what? I'm not going to pay rent until I find a new place because I need security deposit money. Sure. And when, when you lose that spread between your interest rate on the debt and the cap rate, when that compresses, you have less, less cash flow from the property. Sure. And then mm-hmm. you layer in repositioning an apartment complex. Um, you have to be very careful. And honestly, the, the safe way to do it is just to raise a bunch of extra money. So you have reserves. Sure, um, sure, sure. And that's what we typically do. But we just felt like when we were looking up and looking around in the market, where's the market taking us? And medical offices felt like a great defensive play. And now more than ever, these health services are going to be a requirement. Right, right, right. Let, let's maybe go into that, right? So now let's say the COVID has hit us and all sorts of equations have changed, your practices, how you do business, all of that has changed. So how, how are you adapting, Dan, in terms of, uh, I, I mean, you know, maybe you're doing a different asset play or uh, let's <clears> say <throat> if you were doing some improvements or something. You, so how are you like sort of blocking and tackling this issue? Yeah, well, immediately we pressed pause on an acquisition side. We had six deals in contract and we asked for extensions on every single one of them. And this was right when they shut down New York. So the mm-hmm. day that they shut down New York, we said, we're pausing. Is it, New York is its own economy, right? Sure. Mm-hmm. So we knew there was going to be a, a trickle effect. We had no idea that they were going to shut down California. Um, that being said that led to a handful, I think four of the deals falling out of contract now. Um, but we were okay with that. Was, we're not ever, we never want to be positioned where we have to buy something. Sure. Sure. And we focused internally on managing the assets we own and making sure that we have liquidity, making sure that we had talked to every single tenant, every property manager, every lender. Mm-hmm. And we settled, we calm those waters. We feel really good about everything that is under ownership. Mm-hmm. So then it's time to think and, and research and understand or try to understand what's going to happen because of all this in the commercial real estate world. And sure. we think that there's going to be this period, call it 12 or 18 months, where we're waiting for two things to happen. Well, obviously, a vaccine, the sooner the better. Sure. Because mm-hmm. that'll, that'll help kickstart our, our, right. our recovery, right? Absolutely. But two, mm-hmm. the other interesting thing here is the CARES Act. And mm-hmm. when the CARES Act expires and when it does, what are going to be the impacts? Because that's when we're going to feel the weight 
of the recession and my and sure. in, in our in our in our site right so and typically i find then that i think the cares act is what is like sort of keeping a lot of households afloat right now and and you rightfully pointed that once that money expires and people are really feeling the pain of uh, this uh, recession of sorts that's when i think we will start to see some uh, pain in the like whatever it is delinquency and things like that right 100% and so we can't be opportunistic buyers today we cannot be value add buyers today the the future is too uncertain mm -hmm. so what what can we be buyers of well we can be buyers of very safe steady cash flow stabilized assets today mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay so what does that mean it means hotels are we buyers no retail no no and retail there's a whole spread of different types of retail but sure, we're sure. we're waiting we're, we're simply waiting would we love to own hotels and retail absolutely but we're going to wait. Um, apartments, we're, we're actually cautiously optimistic on apartments. If the rent, if the profile of the apartment is uh, strong enough, we are buyers. Mm -hmm. um, it's not our focus. I got a call. I got a call right after this for some apartments in Huntsville, 212 units be interesting. <laughs> but now you start to think about deals are changing because of COVID. So what's the seller willing to trade? And this apartment deal, you know, the lenders, lender requirement and agency, Freddie Fannie are saying you need 12 or 18 months of reserves, of, right, of reserves sure. right? And that could include property tax and insurance. That's a significant oh, amount. Yeah, that, that's a significant mm -hmm. amount of money, right? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Can the seller put that money in an escrow account from the transaction? Sure. And if we don't need it, we shouldn't need it. If we don't need it, then they get it back in a year's time when that lifts, right? Sure, sure. So that's mm -hmm. that. So now we start strategically thinking about how we're negotiating deals. Mm -hmm. So that mm -hmm. that's if we're approaching apartments, this is kind of how we're framing our thought. Um, and we don't want to be true office space owners right now. It's too uncertain. Right. So mm -hmm. industrial warehouse is really where the the asset is really the asset class that has been uninterrupted through COVID from right. our, from our lens. Right. Right. So right. we want to be in this asset class from now until we have some clarity on the variability and the impact of CARES Act ending and a solution to um, a vaccine. So now we're going to pursue these types of assets and markets that we think will be uninterrupted by, or I shouldn't say uninterrupted, no one's been uninterrupted, but minimally impacted by COVID. So mm -hmm. Huntsville, Boise, great examples. Um, and then we're going to check these boxes and, and we're going to go from, okay, so markets, we already have identified why we like them. Second step is to say in that market, we need to be in a premium location. Um, we need to be purchasing an asset that is that has very little or no deferred maintenance mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. we just don't want the variability risk of something going wrong sure something will go wrong right right um, mm -hmm. next we look at um, uh, the tenant and we say hey okay how did they perform can we I mean in due diligence we have to have access to their financials how did they perform during the Great Recession how long mm -hmm. is their lease Mm -hmm. And when, when we get to the end of all of that, if we can check all of these boxes and we can get comfortable with the tenants, 
and we're focusing strictly on the cash flows of the property and that's what we're paying out in distributions. Mm-hmm. The value add here is getting a stabilized return in a very uncertain time. Sure. And the value add's not going to come for five years when leases renew and we we project that the, the local economy of Boise in this case that I'm referring to is further along in five years than it is today. And so you're going to have some appreciation of the asset as well. Good, good. Thank you. Thank you for that detail uh, there, Dan. Um, so you, you mentioned, Dan, that uh, just around COVID uh, or right before COVID, you had six deals and a contract. I mean, that's, that's a massive undertaking to kind of, uh, you know, carry that through and, you know, close on all these deals. Uh, could you maybe help us understand, uh, like, uh, obviously, uh, you at your group are, um, uh, you know, the one who's raising, I guess, immense capital. You are responsible for investor relationships and asset management and things like that. Uh, get, like, for all our listeners who are perhaps maybe syndicators and stuff, give us some uh, tips about how you are approaching your investors or how you're raising funds and things like that. So we have uh, over the past three years, we've built this to, well, I guess, well, I, I should actually say over my lifetime, mm-hmm. I've built this network of people and math the same. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, now driven capital partners was established almost exactly two years ago, but this is something that Matt and I have been in thought on for seven or eight, right? Interesting. It's about mm-hmm. timing and getting ourselves position from a career perspective where we had the uh, liquidity and to, to build this business. I mean, that's sure. really what it came down to. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've, I mean, these are lifelong relationships we have in our deals. Mm-hmm. And some of them now, I guess we're getting to a point where maybe it's one person removed. It's a friend of a friend, but they're intimate relationships. And mm-hmm. one thing we did is we wanted to just check on everybody that's invested with us. So we have, you know, 97 investing entities today and next week it's going to be more because we're doing another deal and we have some new investors. Um, but we reached out to all those people just amidst everything that's going on in the world to just say, Hey, how you doing? And we mm-hmm. want to give you a status update as well. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. And if you're, you know, the, typically our strategy with investors is if you tell me you have a hundred dollars, I'm going to tell you maybe we invest half of that over five different deals. So you're getting to put 10 bucks into five, into five different deals because we sure. want, we truly want to diversify, it diversify your money. Right. Right. And, and we want to take this slow. We're not, this is a long, I'm, you're You're going to invest your money with me and you're going to hear from me every quarter for five years. Sure. Mm-hmm. So that's, Let's, uh, let's not rush ourselves, right? Right, right, um, right. And so when COVID happened, it, a large part was just the human nature of it to just say, hey, I I'm, I'm really just care about what the heck's going on in sure. these people's lives. And if they need anything from me, they need to know that it can be an easy ask. Sure. We mm-hmm. haven't had any asks from our investors. And now when we tell them the story that I've told you about why we're still willing to invest, it's simply because it's an opportunistic um, time to try to get a stabilized return. Sure. And, mm-hmm. and if, if I have $100, I can't put that into the stock market confidently and say, okay, for five years, I don't have to worry about this money and it's just gonna, it's just gonna carry 7% um, every single year from a cash on cash perspective. Right. Right. So that's where we, we, we really actually got the um, confidence, Matt and I, to say, you know what, we want our money in this deal. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's make a run at it and that's, 
let's talk to all of our investors. And we were able to go out and raise all equity required within, um, I don't call it three or five days. Wow. That's, yeah. that's pretty impressive. Yeah. That, so we cool. have to the mechanics of it. We have our investor portal. That's mm-hmm. very intimate. Sure. You could lot, you could lot, you could create a login if you wanted sure. uh, mm-hmm. to monitor deals and see how we present ourselves. But mm-hmm. we, we did this for our investors because typically we have people that own multiple deals. It allows us to distribute K ones, investor updates, automatically deposit um, funds into their accounts. And we also have our mailer distribution list. Our mailer distribution list is somewhere north of 400 people of which we have very close relationships with. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, our click rate is astronomical. Our click rate's like 80%. Wow. Which is, yeah, it's, it's really Wow, that's, it. that's really yeah, stuck. It's, <laughs> it's yeah, absolutely. It's really, really sticky. So when we send anything out, um, it is getting opened. Right. All right. Um, mm-hmm. The reality is, I think of that pool, um, there is um, about maybe a fourth of them are investors. And mm-hmm. yeah. And, and what we're looking for is we want to be the guys that provide you premier access to commercial real estate investments that you would never see otherwise. Because right. um, they're not living in the space that we're living in, right? right they're right, working right. in some other job somewhere else. Right, right. And we take on the debt liability. We package the deal. We are taking on the responsibility of sure. operating the, the project and executing the business plan. They're simply a passive investor right. mm-hmm. that trust us to do the right thing for everybody. Because the reality is how we structure deals our incentives are completely aligned with our limited partner investment. Sure, sure, sure. And also, Dan, like, how has your asset management uh, strategies, uh, you know, changed or influenced as a result of COVID? Are you uh, more closely uh, like tied with property managers than before? Like, give us some idea about. That. Yeah, well, we typically have a, a weekly touch point with every property manager, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, some point, sometimes that requires an email. Some most times it requires at least one phone call, if not multiple calls every day, depending on the project. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, we post COVID, uh, you can imagine it was like, okay, hurry up and try to do a bunch of things. But the reality is, you got to wait for rents to collect. And mm-hmm. so, what we wanted to do on our commercial assets was be proactive uh, with our commercial tenants and mm-hmm. offer them something. And mm-hmm. so once we knew that we were getting some um our lender was working with us and they were willing to move us to interest only payments for three months so we didn't have to pay our principal so it reduced our 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 monthly bill and we also have a huge stockpile of cash um, for capital improvements and a rainy day fund sure and Mm -hmm. so we went to our tenants and we told all of them that they could have three months deferred payment like for three months they don't have to pay rent Wow. And, mm-hmm. and the, um, the, the, if they accept that, then what happens is the three months of missed rent gets amortized over the remaining term of their lease. Sure. Mm-hmm. Think about that for a second. Right. We yeah. could theoretically improve the property value in month four because right. le- leases are going to be higher. Right. 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 Absolutely. Now it's too early to tell how that's going to play out. But with, with that being said, they're also a step closer to where we want them to be when it comes time to renew. Right. So it, a little bit of near-term pain, but remember we bought this property to own it for five years. 
So mm-hmm. that's put out a good olive branch, further the relationship with the tenant, and now give them the opportunity to be successful coming out of this. Sure, um, sure. It's not it's not perfect, and it's, it hasn't been completely um, tested yet because we're not to the end not of July, the, right? right? Mm-hmm. But um, this is the type of thing we're doing. It's just you, you have to be proactive. We decided we didn't want to wait for problems to, to arise. Good, good. Thank you. Uh, sorry, we are just uh, running out of time, uh, Dan, here. It's you have to be careful, a, Scar. I could I, talk forever. <laughs> no, no, it's such a thorough discussion. I have uh, truly enjoyed it. Uh, give us some uh, tidbits, uh, Dan, as to, um, you know, as you have progressed in your career, what, what sort of like uh, nice advice or best advice that you have uh, received from uh, some other fellow uh, people? Well, it's a, the, the real estate investing world, when you go alone, can be a very daunting task. And it's hard if you even think about, I'm going to go buy, if your goal is, I'm going to go buy a single family home this year to be a rent, to have a rental property. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to go source the deal. You have to go find a lender. You have to sign on and take responsibility for that debt. You right. have to go and property manage it. Mm-hmm. So mentorship is something that I wish I had more of. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would say if you're really interested in, in, in growing in this space, um, to find a mentor, one. Two is to start investing, but invest small and start investing in syndications mm-hmm. because it limits your liability. Sure. And yeah. it's like exercising. If you say, okay, 2020, what, what are my goals? Well, my goals are to get fit. Okay. On day one, I'm going to go work out really hard and then I'm not going to work out for 364 days, but I'm going to be really fit. Like, no, it doesn't happen. It doesn't work that you, way. <laughs> you, investing is, is no different than, than working out or learning how to play the guitar. Or if you want to be a good investor, you have to do it consistently and you have to have a strategy. Sure. So when I, I, easy comparison for me is like soccer. Well, every single year I would set my goals on what I was going to accomplish that year. Mm-hmm. And then from my goals, I would say, okay, how am I going to get there? What's the plan, right? Mm-hmm. Let's lay out the, the framework of what I, I can do every single day to try to achieve those goals. And I have, so this is where like sport creates, creates some incredible habits, right? It's like, Absolutely. Okay, Absolutely. here, I, I literally have right over my computer, I have my 2020 goals and I've actually had to take them down and reset them because of COVID. But that's fine too. You know, you, you have to be flexible when you set uh, some, some lofty goals. And the important thing for people, especially in real estate, is that you don't put all of your eggs in one basket and you invest consistently and you have a strategy. So what, I, what we, our goal for, for our investors is to say, hey, we're going to get you, we're going to, this is all about wealth creation through investing in real estate. Okay. Sure. Mm-hmm. We're going to get you access to some great deals that we search long and hard for you're not going to have any debt liability on the, on the investment. You're going to have incredible tax benefits from investing. Let's get, let's find an an amount that feels very comfortable for you. And it might even feel like it's too little Mm -hmm. to get you in a deal, but it will allow you to invest in maybe two to four deals a year. And some people they're going to be like, Hey, no, I'm coming in every single deal. Every time we have those investors. Mm -hmm. But I think for the, the, the reality for most people is like, yeah, you know what? I can afford, like most people that want to focus on real estate investing, I can afford to make one or two 
real estate investments a year. And that's, I, I think of it uh, almost like the old 401k strategy of saying, okay, well, every year I max out my 401k. Sure. Well, mm-hmm. okay, every year I make one or two real estate, commercial real estate investments. Sure. Sure, sure. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, share with our listeners, Dan, um, how they can get in touch with you. Well, we have um, we have our, our website, simple website up. It's called drivencap.com. Um, you'll see pro- profiles of my business partner, Matt Seamus, and I on the site. You'll see a little bit about um, the assets we own. And you can schedule a call with us on that website. Uh, you can also email me anytime at dan at drivencap.com. Um, we're, we're, we're accessible and we're, um, we're trying to, to grow our business. And we feel like the best way typically to start a relationship is to provide just some, some help and some expertise in the area. So a lot of times I'll, be, I'll, I'll talk to investors for a handful of like deal cycles before they start investing with us. So if you're interested, feel free to reach out. We'd love to get to know you. Awesome. Awesome. It's been a pleasure, uh, Dan. Sorry, the time runs out much quicker than you imagined, but it's been a pleasure knowing the details of everything that you do and a lot of innovative things that you are doing. I'm I'm loving the radical uh, changes that you have done. So it's it's a very uh, progressive way to you know give returns. So I have thoroughly enjoyed uh, uh, chatting with you. And Likewise, Sakar. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely, and I would certainly look forward to um, you know having you on a future podcast episode as well. That I'm pretty positive that your company will do lots of different deals that we can certainly talk about. Yeah, absolutely, anytime. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Premium Cashflow Real Estate Investing Podcast. Please join us at premiumcashflow.com to sign up for weekly updates, research articles, and more. We will see you again for another great interview with an expert guest.